If we could all stand, we're going to read the word of the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. It's a familiar passage of scripture. The apostle Peter was actually quoting the prophet Joel. And it says this, we're going to read verses 17 through 21, starting at 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. If we could close our Bibles, we're going to pray over this message. Lord, I ask today, God, that your presence would be upon every individual in this place. Give us understanding. Help us to hear your word. Help us to understand your word. Let us be challenged. Let us be encouraged. Let us be convicted, God. I pray that you would speak to every heart in this room, that you would speak to every woman. And God, I ask that you would help us to answer the call that you have placed on each and every one of us. This is your word, not mine. And I ask you to bless it and anoint it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. As you are seated, I'm going to be speaking to you today from this thought. This is my story. This is the theme of our Mother's Memorial this year. And I thought it was very fitting that we would talk about our story on Mother's Day, because every individual in this room has a story. Every one of us has a story to tell, and if we could give you the mic, I'm sure that every one of us could share stories of struggles and stories of heartache and pain and stories of victories and stories of the goodness of God. There's so many stories to be told that we wouldn't have time. But the story we're going to talk about today is God's story. And each one of us in this room are a part of this story. You see, since the beginning of time, God has had a pen in his hand. And he's been writing a beautiful story. One of tragedy and suspense, but of great love and great victory. At the beginning of this story was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. You see, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. This is the story of God. The enemy came as a serpent and deceived his most prized creation, mankind. Sin entered the world, and the heart of man was tainted, and his soul was lost. For thousands of years, God called his people back to himself lovingly over and over and over again. But despite his best efforts, he knew that a redemption plan was needed. So Jesus came as our redeemer, a living sacrifice once and for all. I'm sure that hell watched with glee thinking that they had won. But that story was not yet finished. He rose With power and authority and victory, he walked the dirt of this earth alive and well. And that is the story of God. But he knew that the story was not yet finished. That he must go away. Because there was yet 
a greater chapter to this story. No longer would God walk among us. No longer would he be manifested in flesh, but now God would reside within us. So after he left, he told his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise, the next chapter of the story to be written. And there, on the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem, it was a celebration that they were accustomed to celebrating, a Jewish celebration that they would gather from all over, and they would meet in Jerusalem, and they were accustomed to this. It was part of their culture. But this year was different. A very unusual event took place on the day of Pentecost, when the spirit of the almighty God, that eternal spirit of God, was poured out upon them and every single one of them spoke with tongues. You see, the new chapter was being written and the church was born that day. And on this same day, Peter spoke the promise from the words of the ancient prophet Joel that we read in our hearing this morning. Peter stood and he said, let me tell you what's happening. He said, this is not a bunch of drunk people as you think, but this is the power of God that Joel prophesied many years before. And he said, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. It's for everyone. Amen. So the church was born that day, and there a story continued to unfold as the church grew and spread all over the world. And now here we are in the final chapter of this same story. The church is waiting with bated breath for the return of our Savior. It's almost time. It's almost time. I can feel it. He's coming. He's coming soon. <clears throat> As the world grows darker and colder, our longing for heaven only becomes more real. And we know how this story ends. And we know that there are promises still before us. And I am excited today because as I look out here in front of me, I see God's church the ecclesia, the called out, the chosen for this last generation, ready for the coming of the Lord, the bride of Christ, making herself ready for his return. God is, can I say fixing? This is Southeast Ohio. God is fixing to do some of the biggest things he has ever done on planet earth. It's going to be big. We just read about it. Smoke and fire. Nature will respond. Heaven and earth will respond to the power of God. The earth will tremble. The people will, will respond. The church has to be ready because this is our finest hour. This is our time to shine. This is what we've been waiting for. This is our moment. I wish someone would get excited about that. We are at the end of the story. We're going to see end time revival and harvest. Don't be a naysayer. It's coming. The word of God says so. Revival and harvest is coming and we're going to see it. You should be on your feet saying, thank you, Jesus, that I'm going to be a part of this. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm a part of the church of the living God. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm called out and chosen and forgiven and loved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to see miracles and signs and wonders. We're going to see people filled with the Spirit. We're going to see those healings that Pastor talked about. We're going to see that. I believe that in faith that we will see it. Anything with worth or value 
will always cost something. So all of these things that we're talking about, I'm not here to just hype you up and tell you it's all going to be easy. It's going to cost something. And I don't know what all this is going to cost us. I don't know what he's going to ask of us in this last hour as his church. I don't know what kind of sacrifices we might have to make as God's people in this last hour of his story. But I want you all to know today that I am willing. Whatever it is, whatever sacrifice, whatever he asks of me, I'm willing because I want to be involved in the last chapter of this story. As things are wrapping up around here, I want to be a part of it. Somebody shout, I'm involved. Look at your neighbor, say, I'm involved. I will be anything. I will go anywhere. I will pay any price. I am going to help gather in this final harvest. I don't want to sit by and watch it. I don't want to sit by and criticize it. I want to be a part of what God is doing in this final hour. This is my story. Whatever he asks me, I'm going to do it. I will pray until something breaks loose on the inside of me. I will pray until I'm no longer bitter and no longer hurt and no longer angry. I will pray until it breaks loose. I will pray until something breaks loose in my children and God fills them with the Holy Ghost. I will pray until something breaks loose in them. I won't give up. I'll keep praying. I will pray until something breaks loose in this church. I will pray until we see those miracles, signs, and wonders. I will keep praying. I will pray and I'll fast until something breaks loose in this city. I will pray over this city. God loves this city so much, he gives it a praying church. And I want to be a part of that. This is my story. Amen. I will give until it hurts my wallet, and then I'll just give some more. Because everything here is temporal, and I really don't need it anyhow. If I can't go overseas on the mission field, I will give so somebody else can. That's why we gave to Mother's Memorial today. I will give and I will give to build up God's kingdom right here in Southeast Ohio. I will give until I see that red line all the way up and then I'll give some more. I will give as much as he asks and requires of me. I will sacrifice my Starbucks because I am a part of this story. This is my story. I will serve with my time and my talents and all of my efforts. I'm just going to give it all. When I reach heaven and I stand before Jesus, oh, what a day. And he asked me, what did you do with what I've given you? What did you do with your time and your talents and your money and your finances and your conversation? What did you do with it? I want to extend to him empty hands and say, I have nothing left. It's all used up. I gave it all away. I gave all my time, my talents, my treasure. I gave it all to your kingdom, Lord. This is my story. <clears throat> you see, we have the cure, the remedy. We have the answer to all of life's questions. We have it all. We have the peace. We have the joy. We have it right here inside of each and every one of us. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, can we think about that for a moment? The same Spirit, I preached about this Sunday night, the same Spirit in Genesis that hovered over the nothingness and began to create and began to speak light and there was light. That same eternal Spirit is right here. I am a temple for it. I have the peace inside of me. I have the joy. All of the answers that the world is looking for is inside with that spirit within us. 
You see, when Jesus ascended into heaven, God was taken from this earth in bodily form. He wasn't here walking amongst us until the day of Pentecost, not many years later. And now the church has become the body of Jesus, the body of Christ here on earth. That's us. He's not here in bodily form anymore, but we are his body. So we have his work to do in this last hour. As the body of Christ, we have work to do. Say, I got work to do. We better be ready to pray. We need to be ready to fast. We need to be ready to give. We need to be ready to serve. We need to be ready to show up. We need to be ready to love everybody. We better be the church that he's calling us to be in this last hour because this is our story. This is our moment to step onto the scene of God's story and show up and show out. Amen. The God of heaven needs you. He does. He needs us. We think, what? God does not need me. God needs us, the church, to be his body, to be everything he's called us to be right here where he has planted us. You see, God rules the world through the prayers of his saints. We need to be a praying church. Our Tuesday night prayer meetings are fire. Get here. The spirit of the Lord sweeps through this place. The atmosphere changes, and I believe it changes the atmosphere of this city every Tuesday night. It changes our homes and our families. We need to be a praying church. God rules the world through the prayers of his saints. Satan is conquered by the prayers of his saints. His kingdom is conquered by the prayers of his saints. Do we not believe that? Strongholds are broken. We sing about it. Do we believe it? Strongholds are broken when we speak the name of Jesus, when God's people pray. And our flesh is defeated through prayer. That's the most important. The problem with my story is me. You see, we can't be a part of what God is doing if we're weak and impotent. The church, his bride, his body, it is not sickly. It is not feeble. The true church of the living God is alive and well. It is strong. It is powerful. It is praying. It is fasting. It is loving. It is giving. And it's doing it all with joy and with a cheerful heart. It's not complaining. It's not critical. It's not sick. It's not weak. It's not feeble. His church is alive and well. It's strong. It's powerful. And it is a force to be reckoned with. That's the true church. As this story unfolds throughout time, there are only two sides. There is no neutral ground in God's story. Matthew 12, 30 says it like this. He that is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. We better get in the church. We better get in the spirit in this last hour because if we're not with him, there's only one other option. We're against him. We're working against the kingdom of God, not working for it. There's no neutral ground here. And if we're not gathering If we're not making disciples, if we're not loving, if we're not bringing people in, if we're not sharing the gospel, then we're scattering. 
we're working against him. You see, all of us, every one of us in this room, myself included, we spend way too much time in the flesh and the things of the world. You know, they're all going to pass away. All of those things are going to pass away. The things that we spend so much time that consume us, the things we think are so important and matter, they're not eternal. It's prayer and the word. Prayer, talking to Jesus. Mamas, teaching your kids how to talk to Jesus like we sang about today. Grandmas, teaching those babies how to talk to Jesus. That's eternal. That is lasting. The word of God is eternal. It will never pass away. It will never return void. Time spent in the word and in prayer is never wasted. Souls and people are eternal. If you look around you, every person in this room is eternal. They will spend eternity somewhere. Their soul will live forever somewhere. We have so much work to do when we go out in this city, when we go to the grocery stores. There are people all around us that don't know God, that deny him, that have never heard of him, that have never heard of truth. And the the mouth of hell is open and ready to swallow them up, and we just keep on walking. Souls are eternal. People are eternal. The church is eternal. We are his bride, and one day there's going to be a celebration, a feast, where the bride goes to meet her groom, and we will all gather together at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The church is eternal. The church matters. Time spent in the church is never wasted. I love to watch my boys play baseball. I spend a lot of time at the ball fields. But time spent at the church is never wasted. And time here with these boys, I hope that they know that this is my story. This is where I want to be that this is where the answers are at. This is where the people of God are. This is where we find our peace and our joy. This is where we find salvation. At these altars, I want them to be familiar with these altars, and I want them to know this is our story. You see, we have flesh problems because we spend too much time in the flesh. We don't pray enough. We don't fast enough. We aren't students of the word. We don't get deep into the realm of prayer. We're content with just a little quick prayer, and we don't spend any time lingering in the prayer closet and listening for the voice of God and saying, I'm not leaving, not leaving my prayer closet until I hear from the Lord or until I get my spirit right. Or until I get rid of my bitterness and my hurts and my anxiety and my depression. We're weak because we don't pray enough. You see, flesh doubts, but the spirit has faith. We need to get out of our flesh and get into the spirit. Flesh lust, flesh sins. But the Spirit serves the Lord with that righteousness that Pastor preached about last week. We got to get out of the flesh and get into the Spirit. Flesh hates. Flesh is hurt and offended. Flesh gossips. Flesh doesn't love the person beside you on a pew or someone that you know at work. But the Spirit forgives and loves. We've got to get out of our flesh. If we have a sin problem, if we have a spirit problem, we have a heart problem, we got to get out of our flesh and get into the spirit. We got to lock ourselves away in a prayer closet. You see, it's easy to spot a prayerless life. It's easy to spot a family who doesn't pray together. It's easy to spot a married couple who doesn't have prayer or Bible reading in their home. It's easy to spot a prayerless individual 
because they're always weak and offended. The answer is to go pray. Go talk to Jesus. Pray. And then pray some more until we get it right. Oh, what peace we forfeit. We give it away because we don't take it to the Lord in prayer. You might say today, well, I do pray. Okay, wonderful. So do I. You're just getting started. There's more. There's always more that God has for you. You never just stop growing in the kingdom of God. So go pray more. Go fast some more. Maybe try a whole day and not just fasting a meal. Maybe two or three days. And then pray some more. What does it take to get rid of this flesh and answer the call of the Spirit today? I told you that this was going to cost us something. I told you that being a part of this story, God's story, in the last hour is not going to be all easy. It's not going to be a bed of roses all the time. But if we want the peace and we want the joy and we want all the blessings that we love to talk about and sing about, we must be willing to sacrifice. God is calling his church to pray and fast, to go deeper than we've ever been before, because every answer to every question is found in prayer, in the spirit of God within us. Ladies, I'm going to speak to you for just a moment. If you don't have a prayer closet, you need to get yourself one. You need a spot that you can just go and just talk to Jesus. We need praying mamas. We need praying grandmothers. We need praying women of God, praying over our children and our young people, praying over our city. We need women asking and begging the Lord for revival, for harvest, for souls. We need intercessors crying out, birthing babies into the kingdom through prayer. Women, if you don't have a war room, you better be making yourself one because the enemy will come. And you need a place, that closet, that war room that you can go away to and you can fight those battles. Because this is my story. This is how we overcome. When I'm lonely and I'm full of despair, I slip away and breathe his name. Speak the name. There's healing in it. When someone hurts me deeply and I'm offended, I hide my face in the carpet until it's all right again. T.F. Tenney once said, hang a nail at the door of your prayer closet and do not walk out until every care and worry and offense has been hung there. Leave it in his presence. You see, the enemy doesn't want this for us. He wants us to walk around weak and hurt and offended. He wants us to be tired and discouraged. Prayer. Prayer. Slip away. The enemy doesn't want us to know the word of God because we can use it against him. It's our sword. It's our weapon of defense. So the enemy does not want us praying, and he does not want us in, in the word of God. The enemy desires empty prayer rooms and silent prayer meetings. The enemy wants our mouths to be closed and not talking to the Lord like we sang about today. The enemy wants closed in dusty Bibles or Bible apps. The enemy does not want our young people up here taking notes in their little notebooks every Sunday. I see you girls. 
The enemy hates that. So keep on, babies. Keep on. Keep on in his word. Keep taking notes. Keep studying his word. Even if you don't understand it, ask someone, get a mentor, get a spiritual mother that can teach you and show you what the word of God is saying and help you get understanding. I like to make the devil mad. A pastor said that earlier. When the devil starts messing, I'm like, all right, I'm going to the church. I'm going to go right over here, and there's not a soul in here with me. I'm going to get down, and I'm going to fight this battle in prayer. The attitude we need is I am tired of being pushed around. I'm tired of being confused. I'm tired of the enemy assaulting my mind. I am tired of the enemy assaulting my children, my marriage, my family, my finances. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of him messing with my mind and making me angry and offended and hurt and carrying things from my past. I'm weary and I'm tired of carrying it. I'm tired of him scaring me and filling me with fear and doubt and unbelief. Someone needs to tell the devil it's over. That is not my story. That is not my story. He is not the author of confusion. He does not live in confusion and hurt and gossip, but he draws near to the brokenhearted. He's there for us to pull us out of the pit of despair We don't have to stay there because that is not our story. The story of the church in the last hour is a victorious one. It is. I know some people will say, yes, but have you read? You see the things that are going to take place. You know what's coming when we study this end time prophecy and the church, you know, there will be persecution. And I heard. I've read it. But Paul said this. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed. We have confusion and questions, but not in despair. That's my story. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. That's my story. If that's your story, why don't you stand to your feet and give God some praise? Jesus, we praise you for the victory. We praise you for the victory, Jesus. We're perplexed, but you are the answers. You are the answer to it all. I'm not saying you can be seated. I'm not done yet, y'all. Sit down. Sit yourselves down. I am not saying that it's going to be easy in this last chapter of this story. But I am saying that we will be victorious. We will have to sacrifice, but we will have victory. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Will they cast out demons? Are you ready for that? We've already had it happen a couple years ago. Yeah. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and poison and it won't hurt them. The scripture says he's going to present to himself a glorious church glorious church, not beat down and discouraged and confused, not weak, not impotent, but a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So we're called to holiness. We're called 
to prayer and fasting. We're called to the word. We're called to be students of the word. You know, each and every one of us that has this Holy Ghost, the spirit inside of us, we are a conduit. A conduit is a channel through which something is conveyed or transmitted. Ephesians 3.20, it's a scripture we know, we quote it often. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And we shout on that. We love that scripture. But it doesn't stop there. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. He isn't here in body anymore, but his spirit, his power is in us. His power is in this church. His church is alive and well, and we are conduits so that God can do what he needs to do through us. That's how this works. Somebody shout, I'm a conduit. But to be a conduit, you have to do it. We can't just say, I'm a conduit, and not allow that power to work through us. You see, I have to pray in the Spirit. I have to fast. I have to get my flesh under submission. I have to be a student of the Word. I have to sacrifice. It's going to cost me something to be a part of this story. But this is the greatest story that has ever been written, and we are reaching the grand finale. I don't care what it costs me. I'm willing to pay it. I'm willing to sacrifice because I want nothing more but to be a part of his story. I want nothing more but to answer his call and say, Lord, use me. Use me in this chapter. You have me here. You must want me here for this time such a time as this. In closing today, I'm going to turn to Judges chapter 5. You can turn there if you'd like. This is a passage of scripture. I actually preached from it a couple Mother's Days ago. And there's a mention of Deborah, who was a mother of Israel. And, uh, But I've been confused a lot by this passage of Scripture. There's a lot of weird stuff in this. And I'm like, Lord, what's happening here? And a lot of times we just kind of look over it. We just keep right on going. And we we pull out the stuff about Deborah and Barak. And we love that story. But I noticed something in this passage in my studies. God declared the war. The Lord is getting ready in this last hour to declare war on his enemy. We know, we've read the end of the book, the kingdom of Satan will not survive, but the kingdom of God will be victorious. End time revival and harvest is promised to us. It might not be easy. It's going to cost us something. But God is calling his church to get ready. I believe that the generation sitting in this room could very well see the coming of the Lord. I've heard that all my life, but I will say it now with more surety than I've ever had. End-time revival is coming. Harvest is coming. It's already beginning all over the world. I heard someone say, we rejoice about the book of Acts and how, you know, 3,000 souls were added to the church in one day. I heard someone say not too long ago, 
that we have about 10 to 20 to 30,000, depending on the numbers you're looking at, just in our church organization, if you would take all of those conversions and you would divide them out, there's 10 to 30,000 being added to the church daily. The revival now is way more rapid than what we've read about in the book of Acts. We just don't always hear all the testimonies from all over the globe, but it's happening all over. It's not just happening right here in this little room. That is why we give to Mother's Memorial, because we want to support the work of God all over the world. This is it. This is the grand finale. It's unfolding before us. The stage is being set. We get discouraged over our culture and our politics and all of the things happening in our world, but the stage is being set. We're a witness to it, and we get to be a part of it. So in this last hour, I believe, as we read in our opening scripture, that the Lord will do great things through his church but he will also declare war on his enemies. And so in Judges chapter 5, we see when God declares war. When he declares war, we see that he expects a ready response right now. There is no time to get your ducks in a row. There, that should have been done. There is no time to, well, let me strengthen myself and get strong because I'm a little weak. That should have been done. We should be praying. We should be fasting. We should be ready for this as if it's going to happen tomorrow. Because when God declares war, he wants us ready. He expects the people to respond to his call and do their part. And he expects all of creation to respond and do their part. We're going to look at verse 2 in Judges chapter 5. It says, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. When God declares war, he wants people who will willingly offer themselves. Here I am, Lord. I'm ready for battle. I'm suited up. I'm prayed up. I've fasted. I'm strong. I'm not weak. I'm not impotent. I am ready for war. We go to verses 4 and 5, and it says this. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marched out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped the clouds dropped water the mountains melted from before the lord even that sinai from before the lord god of israel when god declares war the whole earth is going to feel it the earth trembled the heavens the clouds dropped down and they poured out water on the enemy so there was a storm and the enemy was confused the mountains melted he will do whatever it takes to defeat the enemy and those mountains will begin to melt in their pathway and the valleys that the enemy can walk through will no longer exist nature will respond when God declares war. Verse 12, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, utter a song and arise. When God declares war, the mothers of the church, Deborah, better be ready to sing a song, better be ready to sing some praise unto God. She woke up from her slumber and she was ready to sing and worship the Lord when God declares war. In verse 14, out of Ephraim was there a root of them against Amalek. After thee, Benjamin, among thy people, out of nature came down governors. Out of Zebulun, they that handle the pen of the writer. 
In verse 14, the men began to assemble from all around. They began to show up, and the writers took out their pens so that they could keep records of the story that God was writing. When God declares war, the men respond, and they come out of their places of work, and they come to gather and to pray, and they come down out of the mountains. They come from all over, and they say, wait, we need someone who can write. We need a creative mind. We need someone that can write this story down when God declares war. In verse 19, the kings came and fought. Then fought the kings of Canaan and Tanach by the waters of Megiddo. They took no gain of money. When God declares war, the mighty men, the kings show up to offer their labor and to fight, and they don't even want to be paid for it. They are just there to serve and say, Lord, I want to be a part of this story when God declares war. In verse 20, they fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. So how can the stars fight from heaven? Well, it says the stars were in their courses. They were all outlined out. So the enemy has a direction and knows which way they're going. And all of a sudden, the stars just mix themselves all up. And the enemy is confused and can't find their way. And how do we get there? We can't find the North Star. We can't find this. We can't find that. We're lost. When God declares war, nature will respond. Verse 21 the river of Kishon swept them away, that ancient river, the river of Kishon. Oh, my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. Even the river swept away the enemy. The rivers respond when God declares war. What God is unfolding before us, we will see all of creation called to this battle. The victorious chapter here that we've just read about and we've seen the victory we've seen the people respond in whatever way they can we've seen nature respond in whatever way it can contribute to this battle it ends with a tragedy in verse 23 verse 23 says this curse ye maraz said the angel of the lord Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord. Let it not be said of us, women of God, mothers of this church, mothers raising children. Let it not be said of us, life point, as a church. Let the angel of the Lord not be able to speak out against us and say, they didn't come to help. The river showed up. The stars responded. The mountains, the clouds, the rain. These men responded. These women began to sing. But cursed be Maraz, because they stood with their hands in their pockets. We don't know much about them. Maybe they were weak and tired. Maybe they hadn't prepared themselves. Maybe they didn't have the means to fight. We don't know their story. But we know that the angel of the Lord spoke against them because it was their moment to respond, and they didn't. As this story of time concludes, the question we ask today is, will we join with heaven and nature and the church in this battle? Or will we stand with our hands in our pockets like the people of Maraz? Heaven has declared war, and the call of the Spirit is crying out in this hour. It's saying, all hands on deck. All hands on deck. Everyone can be a part. 
You better find your place on this battlefield, warriors. No one should stand by and watch the story be written without you being in it. You are a part of the story of the ages. You are. God has matched you with this hour. Think about that. You could have been born 400 years ago. You could have been born 1,000 years ago. You could have lived in the time of the patriarchs in the Old Testament. But that wasn't his plan. He planted you right here and matched you with this hour. The greatest hour of the church. This is your story. This is my story. This is our story. If we could just get a hold of him and set aside our flesh and get in the spirit and be ready to answer this call, he needs prayer warriors. He needs soul winners. He needs students of the word. He needs people teaching Bible studies, not just the pastor and I. He needs women who will pray and fast. He needs people who will intercede for the lost. He needs men who will come out from wherever they're hiding and worship and pray with abandonment. He needs writers and designers and singers and songwriters and creatives to say, I got a pen. I can contribute something. He needs people who will give of their time and talents and treasures without complaining because it's a privilege. There is a room. There is room for everyone on this battlefield. If we can all stand. I don't care what this costs us. I don't care what it costs me. I may have to lock myself in my prayer closet and hang that nail on the wall on my way out for hours. But if that's what it takes to keep my spirit right and to be strong in the Lord, then that's a sacrifice I will, I will give. I don't know what it's going to cost you today. But whatever he's asking of you, today is the day we must answer this call. We can't delay it any longer. We don't know. We don't know when that hour will come. We don't know when that trumpet will sound. We don't know when we will be called to assemble in battle. We don't know when the world is changing so rapidly all around us. We better get our Bibles in our hands. We better be scratching notes with our pens. We better be studying and digging out that word for ourselves. This is my story. Amen. This is what I would like to do in closing today. I want to pray over the women today of this church. And if you're comfortable with it, I'd like for all of you to just come up as close to the front as you can, the women of the church. Just come all the way. If you're one of the first ones here, come all the way to the steps and just spread out all across the front. We're going to make some commitments today. We're going to answer the call of God today. The call to prayer, the call to a war room, the call to a prayer closet, the call to the word.